Welcome to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast, where I interview some of the best coaches in the business to find their secrets and share them with the world. I'm Scott Ritzheimer, founder and CEO of Scale Architects, and we help founders and leaders find the right coach at the right time so they can achieve the predictable success they deserve. And a huge part of that is helping great coaches do great work that creates enormous demand for their services with way less effort. If you're a high demand coach, I'd absolutely love to share your story and expertise as well. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. Let's go. Hello, hello, and welcome. Welcome once again to the Secrets of the High Demand Coach podcast. And I'm here with yet another high demand consultant, and that is Ferris Aranke. He's got experience firsthand in the fine differences between strategic success and failure. Now, Ferris has worked to distill his knowledge of how to solve complex problems in a structured manner, combined with his skill of engaging effectively with others and his ability to quickly determine the barriers to a strategy's success. He spent 12 years working as a strategy consultant at some of the top global consulting firms, and his work has spanned numerous companies from global behemoths to small startups in numerous countries across a range of sectors, supporting them all to unlock strategic success. Well, Ferris, I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, And before we get into how you help folks unlock strategy, because you have a really, really cool approach to this that I think is quite profound. Before we get there, though, I'd love to hear before starting your company, before kind of doing this full time, especially on your own. So tell us your story. What were you doing beforehand and how that ultimately leads you to where you are today? Yeah, sure, sure. Bring it, bring it to life. Right. And uh, I didn't realize there was a time before I ran my company, Scott, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll try and jog the uh, gray cells and bring it back. Hey, look, uh, like you kind of mentioned, I, uh, I've been running a company for four years. Uh, before that, I did have a life. I was the strategy consultant for 12 years working at different firms. Uh, uh, predominantly focusing on the energy industry. And that's because before being a strategy consultant, I worked in the energy uh, space. I worked for a, a big global uh, energy t- uh, company in their strategy team. And a uh, long, long time before that, I started off as a high school teacher, uh, Scott. So I used to teach high school math and economics. Uh, so uh, yeah, I've had a, you know, had a lot of different twists and turns on the way. Uh, but you know what? Uh, um, I've worked, lived and worked around the world. I've had different careers. It's all about taking each component from whatever you've done and building on that uh, those foundations for the next thing you're doing. And, and that's why I love doing what I do. That's like, that's awesome. So if we fast forward then to today, what would you say is some of the most important work you're doing with your clients? Uh, everything we do is the most important work. Let's be clear. But what is it? You know, Just listening to you read out my intro, which uh, apologies, I wrote. Uh, and sounds very clunky now I heard somebody else read it out, was uh, quite simply what we do that is really important is bring emotional intelligence to strategy, right? Mm. Anyone can come up with a strategy. I know some people not, but that's the easy part, you know, not to break it to people. That's the easy part. Getting others to understand and buy into your strategy, that's the difficult part because then it's, otherwise it's just a piece of paper, right? I have worked, seen far too many companies have great ideas, great piece of paper, great strategies, they go nowhere without emotional intelligence, without that ability. So that's the greatest thing that we do for companies. 
um, and it can really revolutionize um, what they achieve. Yeah. So first question with that is, why is that the case, right? Why is it that we tend to be so underdeveloped on the EQ side of things? Because uh, many of us, for one reason or another, a lot of it could be our upbringing, but it could also be our mindset, are task focused, right? Are like, I need to complete A. I need to achieve this. Great, right? It's great to be focused on what you need to achieve. But if it involves other people, they don't think, how do I get these others involved? You know, we're wired to think, I need to do this, whether, you know, whether I need to be a bulldozer or, or, or not. Um, and, uh, you know, take a conversation between two people. I say, say, yeah, I'm on this podcast and say, I had a burning thing. I need to talk to you about a, my book or something. I just come on and I talk to, about the book and I'm just like, and I'm just bluntly, you know, you know bulldozing at you. I, I'm, I'm not worried about, are you receiving it? I'm just worried about broadcasting. Yeah. And that's, that's how we're programmed in life to broadcast, not to think about the receiving, uh, but that's a large part of it. Cause if you pitch and nobody catches, then, Hey, the game's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Um, so what do, what do we do then, right? Uh, let's say uh, we've been there, we've, we've done that, we've got the marks, we've had the strategy that hasn't yeah. worked and and, and yeah. we recognize, hey, like uh, this Ferris guy, he's onto something. How do we improve yeah. our EQ? So the good news is everyone can improve their EQ, right? Uh, the QEs are to turn around what you're doing. Instead of you talking at people, ask them questions, right? Say you're explaining something, stop after 10 seconds, say, hey, does that make sense? Yeah. What, you know, what, what did you just hear me say? What would you like to hear about? Uh, and now and that, that's a really sort of, yeah, it's sort of high level explanation, but that's a, that's a great example is take the cues from around you, learn to sort of more than you uh, sort of emit, right? Because there's a lot of clues in life out there, but we, until you're trained to look for them, you're going to be lacking in EQ. Yeah. Now, one of the, the challenges with that, and, and you face this in what maybe the real world, is that it takes time. You know, it's, it's, and, and so how do you, because there is another side of that, an extreme, and I've worked with some organizations that that's all they do. They just talk to each other and they want to feel good and it's all wonderful. You know, like you can overdo this. Now, most of us are at no risk for overdoing it, but how do you find the right balance? How do you know when you've asked enough questions and when you haven't? Uh well, there's a you'll know, but uh, it's where you start off from, right? I often talk about there's three types of meetings, let's say, whatever you're trying to achieve, right? There's the closed meeting, which is I turn up and I tell you what I've already prepared and I'm, I, I don't care about your opinion. I'm not here to get your opinion. And those are great, right? If you need to deliver a set of instructions to someone. Then there's the other side, of the, the other end of the spectrum is the open meeting where you literally start with a blank piece of paper and say, what do you think? Hey, this is the topic. What do you think, Right. Again, like you, like you touched on, that will take a long time, okay? Yeah, you'll get complete by But there is a third type of meeting, which I call the half-open meeting, where I'm going to turn up having done 90% of the work. I'm going to have stuff, and I'm going to ask you not an open question like, where would you start on this? What do you think of this model that I prepared? I am totally open for you to restructuring it or changing bits of it, but I'm not opening up everything, right? That's a great technique to you, because then you can time box it. Then it's not like going to take forever. But the other person feels involved, mm. right? Uh, and that's hard because there's some risk to that. With either of the other two, you're not really putting anything on the table for anyone to reject. If it's already signed and settled, like your closed meeting, you're getting your way one way or the other. If it's the open meeting, you know, you can kind of hide behind everyone else's ideas. I think what makes it so challenging is the personal risk involved in bringing something that 
could be rejected. How do you how do you handle that? Because what you don't want to do is walk into a meeting, ask some questions, and then start to feel threatened and shut the thing down. How do you keep that at bay? Yeah, and you're you're absolutely right. You're going to pick and choose from those three kind of meetings depending on the strength of the relationship and what you need to achieve. Okay, um, so you've got to be conscious of that, um, and um, and you've got to a lot of it is your self awareness and self management, right? If you know you're a very defensive person, like um, be have techniques to overcome that, right? So I work with a, I work with a lot of leaders, and I you know I'll use the example of one guy, very dominant leader. His natural position, he didn't realize, was anytime somebody said something about one of his ideas, he would go on the attack, wow. right? Because even if they were saying something positive, actually, and he didn't realize it about him. So I videoed the meeting, I played it back to him, and when he saw it, he was like, man, I do do that, right? Okay, so that's the first step, self-awareness. Then he was like, then he turned to me two weeks later, because it took him time to process it. What do I do, first? How do I change this behavior? Because I've been operating this way 30 years, mm. right? And nobody's had the balls in my team to tell me. And I said, that's okay, right? I said, we're going to try some techniques, right? First technique, you are going to be the last to speak in a meeting from now on, instead of being the first, right? Second technique, you're physically going to sit on your hands, right? It's going to be a reminder not to say anything, right? Once you've graduated from that, we'll put a wrist plate, we'll put an elastic band on your wrist, right? So you can flick it every time you think you're going to do this, right? So it's, it's about changing those habits and behaviors, but the first step is you've got to be aware that's, and you've got to have someone close to you to give you that feedback. Uh, um, and that's a lot of, often that's what I did, we do with senior leaders is spot the behaviors, not be afraid to call them out because I'm not a risk if I tell a leader he's crap, right? He's, he, he, he could improve because my job's not on the line. Yeah, he might not hire me again, but uh, that's I can step beyond the psychological safety and the boundaries of teams that they might be in jeopardy. That's why his team never told him in 30 years. Yeah. There's so much in there. One is that challenge function, right? A, a healthy team, I think the result of this EQ that you're talking about is a good challenge function. It's the psychological safety that your team has to say no. And uh, I would say for a lot of leaders, they feel successful when everyone's just like, yes, we're, we're all moving together. But I would say a better uh, indicator of success, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that you're regularly getting pushback from your team, right? You're, you're regularly getting, not, not like recalcitrance, yeah, but but yeah. people who are, who are challenging your ideas, would you agree? Oh, completely right. Uh, I I have you. I don't know, Scott. Have you ever had the pleasure of working over in Ireland? No, no. Right. The Irish are some of the friendliest people you'll ever met. Maybe you met some Irish people uh, over in the US. And I once did a, a corporate strategy piece uh, with an Irish client, and my team was super happy because every meeting we go into, we'd show them stuff, we'd work on the strategy. They'd say, this is amazing. This is the best work we've ever ever seen. And my team was super happy. They're like, the client is really happy. And I said, no, 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 no. This is a bad client, right? Because they're not giving us any challenge whatsoever. So we, you know, we could literally put terrible stuff in front of them, but because they're so friendly, they'll say, yeah. this is great. I said, guys, we have to up, not up our game and challenge ourselves. We're going to bring in someone who is tough on us. Yeah. So I put in a, a separate partner to just join the meetings to be that sort of like, nah, this isn't good enough, right? Because we needed that constructive challenge. Um, and you, you see it in your own life, right? When you get in your comfort zone, you ease off, you don't perform, produce your perfect work. Now, in some areas of life, that's absolutely fine. But when you want to deliver high excellence, you need that challenge. But that, and, and again, that's a key part of psychological safety. Yeah, yeah. 
That's so good. So one of the things that uh, we've talked a lot about EQ, and I think that's right because it's one of the yeah. hardest ones. But the thing that really stood out to me um, on your website and, and as I was reading a lot of your materials was this kind of balanced approach that you take, this three-prong approach of what I, yeah. I think you call the IQ, EQ, FQ. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Right. To be strategically successful, you need those three elements. So let's just let's just run. We talked a lot about the EQ, the ability to take others on the gen. The IQ is the quality of your ideas, right? And it's not it's not like the classic sort of, you know, get get lab tested for IQ. It's how good are your ideas? They can always be better, right? Have you actually tested them? Have you stress tested them? Have you have you involved more people's views? So if not, that's where we help companies. But often companies have really good IQ. They have great ideas, great, great technical people. The missing bit that, and bit that some of your listeners might never have heard of was the focus quotient. So this is something we, we, we uh, you know, a bit of research. I was amazed. Obviously, people talk about focus, but amazed that it hadn't been formalized. So we actually trademarked the focus quotient, which says, look, you can have a great idea. Others can be brought into it. But if you as a company are not focused enough, you ain't going to deliver it. All right. And that could mean prioritization. But it could also mean look at the barriers that stop strategy from coming it being made like you haven't given your team the tools to do what you've asked them to do right and the classic one for example that i often talk about is imagine a broken printer in an office right and you go ah that's fine that's fine right but what's happening is each time somebody goes to that they lose half an hour of their day they lose and that's that you know that's that's like yeah eight percent of their working day right and you're telling them that you need them to be really super productive and focus on launching this new product whatever right so fq there is saying just get a new printer in, right? Identify there's this barrier to focus, eliminate it, right? And that happens all the way through from, is it clear what people should be working on? Are there barriers in the way? To even the individual, what distracts me from my work, right? We all know our phones distract us, but are we conscious that, hey, if I'm hungry, I'm, I'm not gonna be producing my best work. I'm gonna, my mind's gonna be over there, like what shall I have for lunch, right? So how can you eliminate those to be at the top of your FQ? Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So when, you know, one of the things that we, we always kind of look for, we know it's never true, but we're always looking for it is this kind of simple one size fits all answer, right? If it's, yeah. if it's not this and, and, and sometimes as coaches, we can kind of feed into that with our specialty, right? It's like, uh, for example, if we had stopped at, F, at EQ, right? It's all, it's all about EQ. And, and so, yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, there's, there's this like slippery slope of like, yeah, you can go way down that rabbit hole, but it's not enough if you don't balance it out. But on the yeah. flip side, when there's three different things that could go wrong, how do you know which one it is? It, 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 the answer is it, it could be anything, right? Here's, here's, the, here's the honest truth, right? All three of those things will probably bring you some success or improvement. So here's my tip, right? Pick the one that you're most likely to actually stick to and do, right? Because if 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 option A is going to give you a five percent uplift and option B a ten percent and option C a twenty percent, but you're never, you're going to find option C really hard to deliver and you're gonna you're gonna bail out halfway through, just pick option A, right? Get that five percent in the bag, then we can come back to B and C. Don't try and do them all at once. That's what I see a lot of. That's where the focus comes in, right? Yeah, I see a lot of people go right. We'll do all these things. Whoa, 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 buddy, right? Human beings cannot do too much at the same time and do them well. So yeah, that's that's the honest. There are no bad choices. The bad choice is doing nothing of the three. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Uh, or not making the choice at all, right? Uh, trying to make everything choice, of all the three. Yeah, and and it's that it's that again. It's kind of that difficult middle space that uh, I love the advice. Like go, you know, take that path of least resistance and then build on it. Right? Don't just stop there, but build on it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, 
And it's amazing what you can achieve. That sort of 1% difference compounded, and uh, you know, you see lots of charts about it, but it makes a hell of a difference. And that's why we do what we do, bring more irrational intelligence. It might not, from the outside, seem, seem super sexy to, to fix a conversation in a boardroom, but that and the, the, the sort of the impact and the sort of uh, the, you know, the splash it creates is, is a massive. Yeah, it's so true. All right. So here's a question I like to ask everyone who comes on. Yeah. It's this. What is the biggest secret that you wish just was not a secret at all? What's that one thing you wish everybody listening knew? Do you know what? I'm going to link it to what we were just talking about. All the key knowledge that you need, you already learn. You're just not using it. Right? Like most of us forget stuff we learn, right? Human beings will forget 70% of what they learned the day before, right? Unless you use it. So the biggest secret that I wish I'd known is when I was young, particularly in my student days, was use the goddamn knowledge that you picked up, right? Apply it immediately, even if it's something small, right? So all the stuff I go in and help companies, many people go, yeah, I knew that. It's like, okay, right? It's like having a gym membership, but never going. You know going to the gym is good, right? Start using the gym membership. Start using the knowledge. That's the biggest secret. Don't, don't, you don't have to go and learn a new thing. Just use what you've already learned. Yeah, it's so true. So true. All right. So it's one thing to kind of give advice from the, the side of the ring. It's another one to jump in all together. So yeah. why don't you for a moment, take off your co consultant hat, put on your CEO hat. You're, you're leading your own business as well. Talk to us about the next yeah. stage of growth and what challenges you'll have to overcome to get there. Yeah. So this hat feels heavier, right? But uh, <laughs> hey, uh, you know, as a recap, I started my company four years ago, which was six months before COVID. So uh, the first year was terrible, right? And I still carry those scars, but also that built a lot of strength. So since then, it's it's grown well. We've grown quickly. You know, we got a nice team. We got a, a good clients. So what's the future hold? The future holds continuing that growth, right? And that's going to bring some challenges because uh, the next step is I'm still the sole founder, right? Is maybe bringing on some, you know, a co-founder um, to share some of the burden and the worries and and go from it's you know in some ways it's the next evolution, you know, into having a bigger team having more complexity. And I look forward to that, right? I, one of the things I love about the business, as much as it's a roller coaster, is it keeps my mind occupied. As much as I'm advising people, I am applying those techniques to my company. Um, and it doesn't always work, right? And that helps, yeah. you know, and I, I can be honest with clients when I go and say, hey, look, I, I'm doing what you're doing, right? And I, yeah, I know how difficult it is. So I look forward to that stage of growth. I look forward to bringing on a co-founder. Um, and um, yeah, we continue to expand, right? We've got some interesting conversations in the US uh, at the moment. So we might, you know, in 2024, actually have a US operation. So th th there's lots that excites me, but also, yeah, scares me a little bit as well, because, hey, but uh, if you're not, if you're not on that fine line, then I don't think you're, you're growing in life. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's, that's what my CEO hat has. Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, I love it. Uh, and I, I love that you used the word evolution because uh, there's there's actually a, a book that uh, I've just put out, been promoting recently called The Founder's Evolution. And it is. Uh -huh. It's this, this constantly changing their stage after stage. And uh, I, I love that you picked right up on that. Um, so before we uh, let you go, there's one more question. Yeah. And, and that is, how can folks find out more about you and get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. Right. And I always direct them to one of two things. So my company is called Shiagetto. Now, for those who don't know, don't speak Japanese, Shigeto is the Japanese word for a sharpening stone because we effectively help sharpen other companies and individuals. So look for Shigeto and Scott, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll put that link because some people don't know how to spell it and I'll, I'll save them. But the other place is uh, LinkedIn. I spend a, you know probably a bit too long on LinkedIn. I love it uh, for good or for bad. There's only one Faris Aranki on LinkedIn. So come and find me. 
I, I share my daily journey. So if you want to know what it's like being a startup founder and tips on b- bringing more EQ into the business world, uh, come and look me up there and uh, we'll carry on the conversation. That's fantastic. F- uh, Ferris, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, definitely check out the show notes if, uh, for those of you listening. We'll put both of those links in there. Uh, and and he's right. Both his website and LinkedIn are just chock full of valuable information. Uh, you don't want to miss it. So Ferris, again, thank you so much for everyone listening, your time and attention, you know, mean the world to us. I hope you got as much out of this conversation as I know I did. And I cannot wait to see you next time. Take care. Scott Ritzheimer here. Thank you so much for listening to the Secrets of High Demand Coaches podcast. If you are a successful coach, consultant, or advisor who's built a strong book of business and would like to be on the program, please visit go.scalearchitects.com. And if you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media and just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials? If you know someone who'd be a great guest, you can tag them on social media to let them know about the show. And make sure you include the hashtag high demand coaching. I love seeing your posts. I love seeing your guest suggestions. Thank you so much. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content to make sure you don't miss any of those episodes. Go ahead and subscribe now. Your thumbs up, your ratings, your reviews, they go a long way to help us promote the show and they mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, you can go to our website, www.scalearchitects.com, or you can follow me or the company on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.